Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. I'm your host, Kristen Lighty, and tonight we have with us Milwaukee's very own Natalie Wickman. Hello, Natalie. Hello. Hey, why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you do? So my name is Natalie. I am a comic in Milwaukee. I've been doing comedy here about two years or so now. It's a little bit weird with COVID. I started a few months in Milwaukee before COVID. And then, yeah, it's hard to gauge how much time I've done. Time is meaningless. Exactly. (laughs) I uh, do stand-up comedy and I also uh, have a normal person job. I work at a homeless shelter, been in nonprofits for a while. And yeah, generally live and hang out with my little dog. Oh, yeah. And what is the dog's name? Because I'm sure we'll hear from them throughout. This is Otto. Oh, uh, Otto. He is a little Chihuahua Terrier who is now, is. can you hear me? Or he's, I can push him off my lap. He just climbed <laughs> up. <laughs> Otto is part of the conversation now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, working with the unhoused community, that is such, uh, you know, demanding work, I imagine. What brought you to that position? Basically, just really um, enjoyed the job description. <laughs> it's not too special. I, um, I've been working in nonprofits. I worked before this at a medical nonprofit that was um, honestly kind of like for a nonprofit kind of corporate and just like a business sort of situation. And I wanted something a little bit more um, just sort of like getting my hands dirty per se. I really like my job because I get to do a lot of physical work in addition to just sitting at the computer all day. And um, that's something that really attracted me. I do um, the financial kind of side of things. Um, I I don't have like the background to work with our clients directly, but I do volunteers, donations, lots of um, grant kind of stuff. I, I work a lot with just, we get so many donations at our organization and I do a lot of passing things out to people who need it and keeping stuff organized. So I like that a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and what you touched on briefly reminded me of this book I read a while back called uh, The Nonprofit Industrial Complex and mm. kind of how about these organizations sort of perpetuate poverty so that they mm-hmm. can you know, keep doing what they do or poverty pimps, as I like to call them. Uh, so it is, it yeah, is my, tricky out there. My first, my first nonprofit job was a bit of a special situation because we were a nonprofit for doctors uh, trying to um, tackle cancer with this very specific treatment. So it was like sort of a nonprofit for people who are, you know, doing fine generally, but, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we need to send them to the Bahamas. <laughs> You know they need they need a nice fancy uh, conference thing. I don't know. <laughs> my, my last job was fine. It was a fine job, but I like this a uh, little bit more. Just uh, the physical kind of work in addition to computer all day. Yeah, that sounds exciting and like it's utilizing all your skills. It's very cool. Definitely. It is interesting to me, like different areas of the nonprofit world. Like I had a friend who worked in development for uh, the Immigrant Right Worker Center we both volunteered and worked at. And she transitioned to working with an environmental nonprofit. And she just like one day called me and was like, the money that is being thrown at me is a, I've never seen this kind of money. And we both kind of laughed about it like, oh, wow. Imagine well, I actually people cared about people like that. <laughs> I I actually did work in journalism. That was my first career before nonprofits. That's what I went to college for. And I do actually make more now in nonprofits than I did in journalism. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, development though, your friend. Yeah, that's what I do is development. You mentioned that with your friend. That's a lot of work. I uh, I commend you. I could not do it. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, basically, if you don't get your stuff done, the organization doesn't run. So no pressure, right? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So we haven't we haven't done a ton of shows together, but I got to say my favorite uh, was we were together at a show where I watched a comedian make an audience completely disassociate. And uh, I've never seen that before. And then you went up and completely 
flipped the room. You're like a human sage and just made the room fun. And I think that, you know, speaks so highly to your ability as a comedian. And I was so, so impressed. So thank, thank you, you so for much. Being that. <laughs> that really means a lot. I really, from coming from you, I really enjoy your style of comedy and look up to like you, you headlined that night and I was just watching like, oh my God, this is like, like, I just love all your material. I love your perspective. I, I really means a lot coming for you. <laughs> You're going to make me blush. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Comedy friends. Mm-hmm. Um. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very excited that you're in the scene. It's uh, it's always awesome to see you. You're so friendly and warm, which is not not a lot of comics are. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm still pretty nervous at times. Uh, have a lot of like, we you know, it's comedy. Speaking of this movie and ballet, you know, the perfectionism and like the anxiety that goes into that. So I, um, we'll get into it, but yeah, I, uh, growing up to ballet and that was one of the reasons oh, I picked. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, before we jump into that, what is your <laughs> kind of experience with horror overall as a genre? Right. So I did not get into it in my early days. I was very easily scared as a child as most children are, but I was like a special case. I think I, uh, I remember, <laughs> do you remember that movie? My, uh, or not my big fat wedding, uh, big fat liar. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I do, but I it will was... say my big fat Greek wedding and oh. the pressure to get married is also scary. <laughs> that movie is so important to me. My mom is a, a first gen, uh, her parents are Italian immigrants and she is basically like the main character like watching that movie made me understand my mother so much I that movie is so special to me oh. uh, but that's not what we're <laughs> talking about <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna talk about every movie on this podcast um no but uh, I was very easily scared as a kid like I remember um like any sort of like body horror type of thing freaked me out even just so my uh, a big fat liar there um is this part of the movie where it's Paul Giamatti and he uh, his whole entire body is turned blue <laughs> and like something like that just like a man painted blue freaked me out I was just like I think at one point I went to a store as a kid and there was like a cardboard cutout of blue Paul Giamatti and I like ran behind my mother and I like could not look at it I was like we need to leave he's <laughs> scaring me he's gonna come get me um very very easily scared as a kid I mean also we had just I, I grew up with you know early CGI effects in movies and like that stuff when you look back at it now it's just so terrifying <laughs> um so I did start getting a little more into horror, like in college, I want to say. I, I eventually, you know, <laughs> finally kind of grew out of that very easily scared thing. And um, I really like horror now and I'm still trying to get into it and like watch more of the classics. I think most of the horror I have experienced has been newer stuff. And uh, I do like that there's this whole like movie genre that's here and waiting for me to find out more about it. Mm-hmm. I do like being I like being a little scared now. I do get into like the the body horror, the blood a little bit more than I ever used to. I love it too. I feel like it's it's the same as going to an amusement park, you know, to be thrilled and scared and and then yes. you can turn it off and be done and it's okay. It's not like the news, you know, where it keeps going. <laughs> not the horror of everyday life. <laughs> It is though. Yeah. It's like a cheap amusement park. It's just like a, some, you know, it's a, a thrill if you're having a boring time. It's a exciting thing to have. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I can do amusement parks anymore. I went to great America like seven years ago and the way it just like rattles your spine and head. I was like, Oh, I've just done, <laughs> undone all my chiropractic work for the year. Oh, no. <laughs> Or maybe it does chiropractic work for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is I laugh like I can't stop laughing on a roller coaster. So I sound like <laughs> wild because I'm just like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> which is a great fear response. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I love that so much. <laughs> Everyone's screaming and you're laughing. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. So for us to talk about tonight, Natalie has chosen 2010's 
film Black Swan starring Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis. So Natalie, why Black Swan? So like I was mentioning earlier, I danced ballet growing up. I did it for 10 years. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes. (laughs) Uh, From when I was three to when I was 13. And then after that, I did other types of dance, not full on classical ballet. I did dance until like the end of high school, hip hop, lyrical, jazz, all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I didn't see this movie exactly when it came out. I think it took me to like college when I finally saw it. I was in high school when it came out, but it made such a big splash, Um, you know, being in the dance community, like seeing how they responded to it. It was also just such a big cultural moment. I rewatching it reminded me of like all the, when she says like, I'm the swan queen, I forgot that was like a thing that 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 was a big quote from the time. And um, (laughs) (laughs) around this time was when I started getting into like um, movie award shows. Cause I, you know, award shows with, you know, actors, it's all kind of like pointless. It's just sort of frivolous, but I do like getting into, uh, it's like my sports. It's like, uh, you know, the stats and the who's won and uh, who's the most likely to win. I I started getting into it around this time. I remember like watching when Natalie Portman won the Oscar for this. And uh, um, this was, I was looking up this Oscar year. I think this was the first year that they let 10 films uh, be nominated for best picture. Oh, wow. I think this was the year that switched over. Um, uh, and Because uh, this was the year of like uh, Inception, uh, the, the King's Speech won Best Picture that year. Toy Story 3 was nominated for Best Picture, like um, uh, True Grit. This was, a, this was a stacked year. And um, I think it, Black Swan was nominated for Best Picture, which with a horror movie, not always the case which is yeah critics interesting. hate horror they yeah. shit on it <laughs> read roger ebert's review just before this um and yeah he he wrote I, I love roger ebert he wrote a very you know he was very impressed he wrote a really great review and um yeah i do have to say darren alfernoski uh up top you know not a great guy yeah <laughs> uh, as as uh with the whale currently i've heard about all of the controversy with i haven't seen it i've listened to professional reviews of it you know the whole like why not have an actually overweight gay man play that role and all that yeah darren afronowski is very much like a he feels like the like the twisted indie boy you know that you went to high school with and he he thinks he's so twisted. I mean, he literally deep, made, real requiem. Deep. He made requiem for a dream. Like that's his whole oh, thing, right? I haven't yeah. seen that either. I probably won't see the whale just because what I've heard about it. Yeah. Um, and requiem for a dream. All I've heard is like it's the saddest thing ever. So I'm like, oh no, thank you. <laughs> it's a movie that exclusively your white friend, your white boyfriends recommend you to watch. It's every white guy's like you know he, they all love it. Um, I haven't seen it either. I've seen. Darren Afronowski's mother the, with Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the only other thing of his I've seen. Mm. Oh, you reminded me of that brief period for me, like dating in my late teens and 20s where men, mm. would, men would try to inform you. And like, I'm like, I don't like Radiohead and I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leave mm-hmm. me alone. <laughs> it, yes. Darren Mifrodowski is very much that type of, you know, white boy. Uh, <laughs> but, but um, you know, that up top, obviously there was like some controversy with this movie with like the dance doubles. And I, I remember reading randomly that like the interns got treated really poorly and stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, that aside, this is uh, yeah, this was like a really big moment in culture um, coming from the dance perspective. Ballet is a very interesting, insulated little world that, you know, there's no like TV channels for but like, you know, it's, it's very much like it's this whole artistic sport. Uh, a lot of people don't understand it unless they're in that world. Um, and to have ballet be on such a big scale and everyone was talking and it was this big cultural moment for ballet was like, that's a, I think from my experience, 
like the big thing that dancers want is just to be acknowledged because we do feel like we live in this sort of underground kind of world it's all stages we don't really get broadcast out um obviously it's a world of privilege too um it's a very white world which is only starting to get better at diversifying um but yeah I remember just like dancers were excited that like they were a big moment in the culture because that doesn't always they don't always get that recognition and then also I remember dancers were like we're not like that (laughs) (laughs) what a double-edged sword like we want attention but also like not like that (laughs) and how much of that was maybe sort of a anti-lesbian response I don't know you know yeah you're right 2010 (laughs) was a very different time yeah um, but also I think it was just like the, you know, we're, we're not all coddled by our mothers, but that, that is like, it, that is a facet of dance. Cause you know, dance, it's usually something you start when you're young. It's this very like princessy childlike thing. So there is some of that, but you know, obviously we're not all that one character. <laughs> it's, it was a little bit, it got into some cliches a little bit, I, I could say about, about dance, but, um, I still think it's a very interesting movie and um yeah i uh, i'm re-watching it i haven't seen it in a while it really hit me actually <laughs> like kind of hit where i am in my life right now oh really thinking, how so thinking about just like how much i i don't know if i've ever really unpacked the mental effect dance can have on you like i was a little kid i had russian teachers at one point and just like that people-pleasing perfectionism that just gets drilled into you dance is very repetitive and and I did it for a very long time for formative years I was just like thinking about how that impacted me as a person in good ways and maybe not so good ways yeah (laughs) I can um, imagine I did ballet I think I was like eight and I did it for like a week and they called me fat and I was like peace out (laughs) yes I was um, never fat. I did, however, like compared to the other girls in my class, I always had like a little tiny bit of a punch in my stomach and I would always, they would always tell me to suck it in. That was always the thing, like suck up, suck in, suck in. And I, you know, I, I sucked in, but still could like, there was a point where it can't go in anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but that was always sort of like the, oh, you're, we, we noticed this. It, it's hard as a kid to just like constantly be told, like, have that drawn attention to, I think it's obviously, what? yeah, not good I'm for curious. <laughs> uh, it feels like the rest of the world is getting more body positive. Do you see that coming into ballet at all? Or is it ballet still pretty like you got to be stickly thin I I think about like Misty Copeland I've heard Misty Copeland talk about this um she's a very big influential uh back black ballerina who's led the way for a lot of this racial reckoning and dance and she talks about how um I think so I I guess I'm trying to say um as dance is accepting more diverse people it's accepting more diverse body types that's kind of what oh yeah that makes eight-year-old me very happy (laughs) yeah I mean I was never gonna be a dancer but you know like I had arthritic hips you know like what the fuck was I even doing there (laughs) I'm curious you know as someone who was a ballerina for so long what were your favorite things that you got out of performing ballet Honestly, ballet was sort of meditative. I I didn't really realize this at the time, but going to class, you do the same uh, exercises pretty much every time. It was just sort of a nice way to relax and calm down and have this motion and repetition. Um, I I always liked being on stage. I think uh, I, I was able to, now in stand up, you know, stages don't really intimidate me. Um, however it's the talking on stage and stand up that's the that's a whole new skill to learn I've realized because in dance you just I've only been on stages and never said anything mm, um yeah so I like that um I've always liked being on stage and dance provide me th- that opportunity to do that um I did get to do point shoes for a year and that was you know like every little mm. girl's dream I did really <laughs> enjoy that um, <laughs> it's like so awesome and you feel so cool I yeah I, I think the feeling of dance is just um being able to like you know jump and I, I've just I've always liked that way of uh, expression with your body it's my favorite physical activity to do I'm generally not a very sporty person <laughs> mm-hmm. 
it was physical activity I enjoyed. You know, you get to have music and you get costumes. I did always like, you know, the pageantry of it for sure. I was a very girly little kid and I love to get to wear pretty dresses and stuff. But sometimes I didn't. I've, I've had to wear some weird stuff for <laughs> ballet. Oh boy. One time I was a frog. I had to wear a full body like spandex green jumpsuit with literal flippers that you like buy <laughs> for the swimming pool and then this gross like headpiece. I was a rat once for the nutcracker that was like a full headpiece, a uh, big like gross body, like a big like sack and a tail. And but, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've played a lot of like as a little kid. Uh, uh you play like a soldier sometimes that's a that's a big thing um it's it's an interesting like gender bent thing because there's not a lot of boys in dance so little girls have to play like male roles a lot um and um occasionally yeah I did get a pretty dress here and there and that was very exciting (laughs) it's interesting to me that you brought up it's a meditative state I would have never thought about that that's very cool to think about yeah, I think it's just uh, it's just the it's the repetition. It's like a, a thing you go back to a couple times every week. It's like a constant stable thing that is quite nice. Yeah, that's really beautiful. You know, and it kind of speaks to like the theme in this movie of Nina having to try to tap into that pure passion mm-hmm. and not be so overwhelmed by like the actual technique of it, you know, what Thomas wants her to become is like just engulfed in the passion and the desire and the love of dance, um, which mm-hmm. she has a hard time with because she's a perfectionist. Yes. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I never got to that stage of dance. Usually with dance, it's like you're working on your technique most of your life. And then if you make it to the professional level, that's when they really are like, okay, now you have to let that all go and be this magnificent artist. So I never really like had to, you know, usually it was just like, okay, go on stage and smile and do the thing you've been practicing. But um, so, yeah, I, I hear professional dancers like talk about it. I, I, I like to watch uh, these videos from like professional dancers. Um, The New York City Ballet is where I'm pretty sure where they filmed this movie in like the Lincoln Center. And and this whole company was kind of based on the New York City Ballet. Um, speaking of which like the the director of New York City Ballet was a guy that ended up like getting me tooed um (laughs) ballet definitely has a very long history of like the the men in charge being creepy dudes Um, (laughs) yeah you know, balancing and uh, yeah like um I'm pretty sure the New York City Ballet is who like they you know like went to for um all of their Uh, studying and references and um you know a fun fact (laughs) here comes my movie trivia (laughs) (laughs) natalie portman's choreographer for this movie she ended up marrying him and like that's her husband now and she has like a yeah she was pregnant with their baby when she accepted her oscar and stuff yeah wow so Mm -hmm. the love of dance brought them together (laughs) yeah that's pretty sweet i I think that's really nice that is sweet yeah you know, it's funny when I was watching this, I, I was thinking about it through a lens of being a comedian and how, you know, there will be times where like I have my set that I've written out material that like I know I want to do and it's very structured. Um, mm-hmm. But then I would do a show with someone like Megan Stalter in Chicago who would like spend the whole set making the audience pretend they were her boyfriend, you know, and just yeah. like she would be effortless yes. and, you know, everyone loved it and it was so fluid and in the moment and like in that way like it'll make you insane like (laughs) you try to like copy someone else's um you know just way of being so um in the moment so I could definitely feel that like through Nina's eyes in this movie definitely I think with comedy it would be like um the the two sides are like people who can uh, crowd work really well and improv really well and be on their toes and then there's the other side where you still have to be practiced you have to hone a joke you have to know those technical things and be prepared like as uh, a comedian I definitely come at it with the preparation kind of thing that's just what I'm used to and 
you know, before a show, I plan everything out. I try, I'm trying to get better at the crab work. I know that, you know, comes with practice, but it's definitely, I come from more of the preparation background. I'm not someone who just can kind of wing it. I know. (laughs) Like sometimes if crowd work's going too long, I just want to be like, okay, you're done now. Shush. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote jokes. Shut up. And and there's the definitely like there's that element of um, you know, like the comparison. I had that in ballet all the time. And then now in comedy, like it's good to be influenced by other comedians and that's um, like, you know, people are products of their scenes and stuff, but you can definitely veer into that territory of like, ah, why can't I be more like you? And then it's the whole, like he says to Nina, you're the only one in your way. And it's that, that, that stuff kind of hit me too, honestly, the whole, like um, just like uh, yourself getting it, you getting in the way of yourself and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I definitely feel that like with moving up to green Bay, You know, we have a very small scene, but it's like, okay, now if I don't write jokes or I don't do stuff, that's that's on me because there's no one else. Yeah, the blame on. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely yeah. there's a lot of competition in stand up. It's social media makes it like even more worse and stuff like that, with like videos and the TikTok clips. um, You got to learn how to like be because stand up is so personal. You got to learn what you provide as an individual. Yeah. Oh, so so the other big thing that jumped out at me is just this idea of like, it's a creative space for artists, but it's also a work environment. Yeah. And you kind of touched on that briefly talking about, you know, the real life directors who have abused their power and had been mm-hmm. retued. Um, again, another similarity with comedy, like I always mm-hmm. think of comedy as a workplace and and comedians are my coworkers and um you know, I feel like the setting for this was very similar in that, like some of the things like Toma or Lily were doing, like made me like, whoa, like mm-hmm. co-workers do not finger each other and co-workers mm-hmm. do not ask them to go home and masturbate. Like, <laughs> yeah, God, it felt like uh, a lot of boundary crossing when he was like, yeah, this is important that we know this about each other. Like, oh, go, go. Fuck you. Sorry. I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, just <laughs> you tell Tama. Like, oh, he was such a creep, such a douche. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. But no, I do feel like people in artistic uh, art forms feel like they can get away with it or whatever, for sure. Like, Oh, yeah. But it is a workplace. It is. Yeah. It's mess- the, there's all the, the lines crossing. It's not good. Yeah. It's absolutely just people abusing their power. Mm hmm. I, I loved all of the very specific things about dance life that they got very correct. Oh, like I, what? First, like when uh, Natalie Portman wakes up in the morning and they do a shot on her feet and her just cracking like every bone in oh, her foot yeah. and rolling her ankles. That is such like that. It You know, dance is not good for your body at all. Um <laughs> uh, I don't know how to sit on my knees without feeling pain. And I've never like my whole life it's just always like dance really breaks down your body um i i uh the all the stuff about the retirement with the older dancer that's such a big thing you know like, oh also when they were yeah. like she's so old <laughs> like she's yeah. like 32 <laughs> it's like the athlete thing like you know you do this career but it ends before you know you're like done living life <laughs> um that, that's yeah that's a big thing um and a lot of like older dancers try to push back against that some more successfully than others but at some point your body can't handle it anymore either um um i i uh at the end uh when like the they did the dance of the swans you know those the with the girls all holding hands um and then the, those girls got off stage and they were all like, that sucked. <laughs> that, that, was very, that was very true. <laughs> like, I've seen that happen a lot of times. Do you mean people uh, just being like overly critical of their own performance or? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Oh, that's kind of comedians do that too. Like, yeah. Tell me I had a good set, please. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what else? There was, uh, oh, with the whole segment where she, prepares her point shoes before a class that's very true to life like uh you don't just take those point shoes out of the box and put them on you have to modify them so they 
um, can really mold to your foot. Like every professional dancer, I've seen videos, they talk about like everyone has their own specific process for getting the point shoe to fit them and, you know, be easy for them to move in. That was very true. Um, also the, uh, at one point Lily sends Nina flowers and the card says nerd on it. Uh, that's uh, a French word. It means shit. <laughs> oh, whoa, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that dancers say to each other backstage. Like, instead of break a leg or good luck, we all say married to each other. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that started. It's just like some super old tradition. And obviously, that's like uh, all of all of ballet is in French. Um, that's, to, you know, that's it's very French influenced. I, I remember I went to France a few years ago and I was like, I know a lot of words in France, but none of them are going to help me. <laughs> just like, go to a coffee shop <laughs> and, uh, you know, move around this city and order food. Uh, but yeah, that is like a French is, you know, that's the language of ballet. And they, yeah, they got a lot of the ballet culture very uh, on point for sure. Like the, the, the big gala event with the fundraising, that's obviously a big part, uh, you know, a struggle that ballet has with like being able to you know, stay fresh and relevant and get money and stuff like that. And do they do they use like new stars, like fresh, new, young starlets almost to kind of like bring funds in? Is that part of it or a little bit? Uh, but also like, yeah, there, there are sometimes we're like, oh, someone just gets super promoted randomly and is the star now that that sometimes happens. Uh, also, I think it's like um not being uh, the old school like they try to do things they try to have brand new ballets or just try to take old ballets and like do them in a new way kind of like they were doing with this one like in the movie ah, speaking like, of which i think that's the way they try to yeah stay relevant yeah <laughs> i had no idea swan lake itself was so spicy as a <laughs> like, right and it was so sexual <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I think it's probably up there like is the most, I don't know, ballets that well, but it's definitely for sure. I think that's why it, it keeps like coming back in popularity for sure. Yeah, I'm Sex pretty sells, sure. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I was taken to see it in sixth grade and I didn't even realize that was what I was watching. I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more if I knew. <laughs> I think it could have been a little bit exaggerated in this movie for sure, but uh <laughs> You know, I, I think Nina's mom played such a huge role in this, obviously, like very um, overbearing and, you know, kind of like maybe even potentially forcing Nina to become a ballerina to fulfill, you know, what she yeah. thought she lost by having her. I think the scariest theme in regard to the mom, though, is just the idea of like Nina rebelling and being this sexual being in proximity of her mother. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That was really tough to see the all of her bedroom and the, the stuffed animals. And like that did sort of feel like some twisted guys like porn idea at some points. <laughs> like I want Nina to become her own sexual person, but it did the, the proximity, how much they hammered it in with like how much of an overbearing presence this mom is that did get a little creepy at times. <laughs> a little yeah. too much. But I Googled it too. I'm like, how old is Nina supposed to be? And she's supposed to be 28. It's <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I would say like at the 28, that's like getting close to retirement for dancers. But yeah, <laughs> that's probably how old around there Natalie Portman was, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I could see her as like even younger though, like even like at 24, 25 or something. Yeah, I was thinking maybe like 23, you know? Yeah. Um, and when I read that, I was blown away. I was like, oh, this is weird now. I mean, weird, oh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Definitely. My favorite, most horrifying scene is when um, we think that Nina is with Lily and they're mm. like, you know, they come home, they have a confrontation with their mom, Nina's mm -hmm. mom. 
And then they start making out and they're having crazy sex, which like one, okay, it's bad enough to have like weird loud sex with your mom on the other side of the door. Yeah. But then we find out she's alone. Like, yeah. She just like, it's like loudly masturbating. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like, oh, it's just movie magic all of a sudden. The, just don't think about the mom anymore. She's not there. Don't worry about it. I'm like, that poor mother. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> The technical uh, realities of some of that is a bit much, <laughs> for sure. Oh my god, that uh, that made me laugh so hard. But my notes are really big. Like she masturbated right in front of her mom. <laughs> uh, oh man, yeah. It's your first time seeing this movie. Did you uh, like? Did you have an idea of it before you went in that like you uh, that was changed or? It was actually, you know, I didn't see it because I, um, I don't know where I was in 2010. I guess like this whole famous movie never uh, spoke to me in a way that made me want to see it at the time. But I'm glad you picked it because I really did enjoy it a lot uh, and was surprised at how much I identified with Nina and like the pursuit yeah. of perfection. Mm-hmm. And just being like sort of timid and, and quiet and uh that is definitely like something when you're learning your technique in ballet that they want you to be. It does feel like there's this weird switch. It feels like they lied to you. Like they want you to be this perfect technical, like quiet, just machine. And then all of a sudden they're like, now you have to be this insane sexual artist. It, it, that's a difficult thing to like yeah. ask someone who's a full grown person to just pick up like immediately. Well, I think it really captures this whole like virgin whore dichotomy as well. Yeah. Women are expected to be, you know, like right. beautiful, virtuous moms, but also like, you know. Yeah. Total whore. A thrill. Yeah. yeah. Thrill ride in the bed. <laughs> yeah. Those stuffed animals. Oh, my God. I can't. And then her wallpaper, her butterfly wall. That whole room was like, oh, my God. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. You know, last week I was talking with Andy Iwancio and she had brought up, you know, what I don't like in horror movies. And it's um, it's usually the trope that, oh, the killer is insane. And they never really focus on like what is happening psychologically to that person. But I think Black Swan does a really good job of showing all the different pressure points Mm-hmm. Of stress and life and outside pressures as well that would really make a person break and experience psychotic episodes. Yeah. I think that Natalie Portman, obviously, very her character very fleshed out. The director, the Toma, a little bit one note. Uh, like uh, there was so many times he could say, you have to be the white slot and the black slot. Like I felt like he was just repeating it over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but yeah, no, I really do. I did feel for Natalie Portman maybe because of my personal background but like I I do think that when she does finally like let go it's such a thrill to watch that she you know acted that so incredibly just that whole transformation and um yeah there's all these different things I think everything surrounding her was a little bit yeah one note and maybe those characters would have been more interesting if they were a little more fleshed out but obviously it's not really about them Mm-hmm. or about her I guess that, that kind of you can get into everything all of this movie is constructed in her head you know she had gotten outside of herself and tried to know the other people better then maybe she wouldn't be having these hallucinations that she was you know these dreams and you know everything is just so constructed by her and uh, she feels like everyone's attacking her mm-hmm. um so there is like you feel bad for her but also you do want her to be like no this is like on you not everyone's out to get you you know there's like the push and pull there Hmm. Uh, I will admit like in the final scene where we find out Nina didn't kill Lily I was so happy mm. I was like oh now you can just go be a really great famous dancer which is like I have this like relentless optimism within me like Kristen it's a horror mm. movie it's not going to end with her like having a great career <laughs> <laughs> She's got to do the death, baby. She's got to. Mm-hmm. She's got to jump off that thing. I, I, uh, I think about like, what, what if she died in a different way? Like she, like 
pulled out the mattress and she like actually jumped off the thing. <laughs> I thought that's what was gonna happen. Yeah. He's just like me. <laughs> yeah. Just, and I was like, <laughs> you wouldn't fall from die or die from falling eight feet, Kristen. <laughs> probably not. No, probably not. You you gotta go for that. Of course it was a piece of mirror. That too. Oh, uh vanity, yes. And also just that ballet's vanity, yes, and, and just ballet is a sport that you do in front of a mirror like that's not ballet is is so much you're constantly looking at yourself there's always a mirror around like think of like a football player or something doesn't have to do that um so yeah metaphor yeah that's huge of course it was a mirror that killed her yeah were there any other themes that jumped out to you in the movie um i loved the the sound effects were really interesting and well done and and just like that, a very horror element. Because this movie rides an interesting line. It's, it's horror, but it's also like thriller and drama. And the, the little horror elements of it, uh, when they did come through, were very effective. When she steals the lipstick of the older ballerina and she opens the tube and you just hear a, <sighs> come out from the lipstick tube. Like mm. all the the breathing and the sound design was very that was like a big impact on me when I watched it for sure mm-hmm. I did want to think about the bulimia a little bit uh oh. that felt like that felt like the one thing that wasn't necessary I I that felt like it was the guy coming from outside of the ballet world just being like well of course she's bulimia bulimic right um it happens a few times and i like of course there's you see what leads up to it like she has something go wrong and then she feels the need to vomit uh but it was such a little thing i i didn't feel like it really had an impact on the story overall i was like did we need to have that and that felt a little bit just like some people assuming stuff and making cliche things about ballet um Mm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she's already got the whole thing with her skin and, and her, uh, like, cutting her nails and scratching her skin. She's already got that body thing going on. It just felt like the bulimia was not, didn't need to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was bulimia or nerves, but what you point out is probably absolutely correct. Like, just some guy making a generalization about ballerinas. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it could have, it could have, I guess that's an interpretation thing. It could have just been, yeah, she felt the need to to vomit out of like, yeah. But what you point out out. makes more sense to the character as like a sense of control, you know, where Mm -hmm. she has none. Yeah, definitely. And obviously dancing is, you know, you're, you're an athlete. uh, You have to do things to your body, but you can do it in a healthier way (laughs) than (laughs) I think dance has gotten a lot better. Like a lot of technology is developed. Um, there's all these things now, like for your muscles, there's all these rollers and foam things. Like there's a lot for dancers to really take care of themselves more than they probably would have had maybe 20 years ago or something. That, from my perspective, from what I've seen, like kind of on the outside. Um, th- that was another like very realistic um, part of the movie when she's you know getting her physical therapy session like that happens pretty regularly. Oh, for... that looked intense when she was mm. like the therapist was just jamming her arm up <laughs> under her ribs. I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, it was obviously a very dramatic version of that physical therapy. <laughs> oh, um, man. I think uh, the the effects were pretty cool um there was it seemed like sort of like half practical horror effects and then obviously a lot of cgi when she like you know starts growing feathers and stuff but like that that part where her legs bend into swan oh yeah legs, yeah. yeah that was i fun. think that was i think that was practical i think i watched a behind the scenes uh for this movie years ago and they were talking about like how they kind of did that half practical half not yeah Hmm. that was cool yeah it was fun uh what was your favorite part of black swan it was such a relief to finally see natalie portman like let go Mm -hmm. and really 
sort of go crazy for lack of a better term. <laughs> like I feel like so much of the movie you're just waiting for it to happen. I'm just like, come on, let's I want you to to feel and uh, you know, she's so repressed and so held back. And uh, you know, it's great to see her. Yeah, that's sort of where her acting, I think, really pops off too. Mm-hmm. She shows a lot of good acting chops. Really, just you know, I love, I love to watch ballet. Um, at the beginning and the end, you know, I one thing I thought was interesting. There's just a chunk of ballet at the top of this movie. Like they had mainstream movie going audiences watching like a good five minutes of ballet with no dialogue. That's how the movie starts. Like that's. To get people to sit down and not hear anything and just watch ballet, that's like kind of that doesn't really happen. And I love I love watching ballet and I really liked that opening scene. And I just thought of how many people like never do that and never have that experience. And they got to see that maybe for the first time. So yeah, I love love all the dancing parts for sure. Um and the uh, uh I'm trying to think if I had a favorite. I, I the whole thing is pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. The horror parts are pretty fun. It's, you, you get a lot of good scares, um, a lot of creepy, you know, creepy things happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very fun. It was. I don't know if you're a fan of Kids in the Hall at all. I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. My friend, I'm about to expand your comedy world. Uh, the Kids in the Hall <laughs> were a comedy troupe from the 90s, and they did a sketch. Um, it was very much similar to this movie in which two of the characters, one is obviously, you know, someone like Nina, who's very proper and a great ballerina. And then someone who is like, you know, she got in a fight before she went to the meeting. She's not a good dancer. She's kind of a brute. And the director is just like, oh, she just has the spirit of the dance. I'm sorry. You're not the one. And then in the end, she's like, I'm kidding. (laughs) Of course, you're going (laughs) to go to the prestigious school. Look at her. She's a brute. Mm. Um, But yeah, I'll put that link in the episode as well, because it always makes me laugh so hard because the brute (laughs) character played by Kevin McDonald says, "Um, yeah, ballet or he calls it ballot. And (laughs) two passions, ballet and snacks. (laughs) It's it's great. (laughs) That's cool. I I think I've heard of that. I've never seen it, but that sounds familiar from somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They I uh, found them when I was like 12 and they made me the weirdo I am today. I love. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Comedy awakenings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So any final thoughts on Black Swan? You know, it, it, it. it's just a really good, uh, uh, you know, it kind of sucks that she dies at the end. Uh, you know, it, it has to follow that story. But it just really makes you think about, like, um, yeah, that idea of, like, expectations of, like, if you want to get good at something, you have to work at it. But then we also love these people who are so naturally, effortlessly talented. Um, I, I think that's a big thing in American culture with, like, our sports idols and the, the people who get pushed to the side like the you know the the structure of a ballet company so there's three levels there's the core which is the like entry level soloists are the middle and uh principals are the big star dancers who get the big roles um and nina started out in the middle she was like a soloist and then i guess technically moved up to principal by the end but um yeah just this idea of like you know, how we value people, how we value, value talent, um, you know, because all the other dancers were, I, I kind of felt for that one girl who thought she was going to be the black swan. And then uh, there was Nina getting it instead, you know, just the way that we, you know, people, people work hard and sometimes it feels like it's not enough. It's a very interesting way uh, we like have these hierarchies and, and value people for whatever thing we feel like is good about them or I don't know I I I guess I'm thinking a lot about like yeah like the people that become our sports heroes or whatever the way other people get kind of pushed to the side it's like we we should think about the whole unit in addition to this is just my nonprofit Mm -hmm. (laughs) business coming out yeah I, I do I do it did make me think a lot just about like that that talent you get by working and then the talent you have naturally like the the way that those 
to things play out and uh and then just the value of like being yourself and knowing what you're good at and you know not trying like Nina tried to be someone else well she also just tried to do the assignment so good that it killed her (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) she took it so literally but you know what thinking about it now someone who's such a perfectionist that does seem like the logical thing (laughs) for her to do but like you you she was like trying to sort of become someone she was not with the black swan and you think about maybe you know she could have found a way to do the black swan from her own perspective that still would have worked or something like that i don't know it got me this movie got me really <laughs> in the heart this time around mm. so my, maybe my thoughts aren't super coherent right now. no i get it my notes i wrote real big perfectionism will destroy you <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely definitely like yeah but also like you want to put in the hard work and effort yeah. that's not a bad thing either yeah so, you're like, absolutely to what right extent to what extent like you don't want to be someone that's just like not caring um yeah so it's like what it's what fine line do you have to walk with those things yeah absolutely well thank you for sharing this conversation today uh this episode will come out february 1st ish um so where can people learn more about you and what you're working on i am on instagram at natalie wickman I sometimes go on Twitter that that's also Natalie Wickman and uh, I don't have uh, I don't go on TikTok I don't like that it scares me I don't want to be on TikTok oh I love TikTok I mean I don't put any effort into my videos at all it's just like dumb trends but I can I can sit on that app and watch for hours I just watch videos on Instagram it feels like the same thing but yeah um so I guess (laughs) uh social media um if you want to like look uh my YouTube channel sometimes they're clips on there but uh, otherwise yeah everything is just my name uh on social Great. media so. and uh, is there anything coming up in february march that you're excited about yeah um in february i'm doing a valentine's day show that oh, should be fun. pretty fun it's gonna be like a, a an all ladies valentine's show um for those sad single gals <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think that's in the suburbs of Milwaukee. I'm trying to remember where that is specifically. But then um, I'm also doing a roast in Milwaukee at the end of February at Puddler's Hall. (laughs) That's kind of all I got right now. (laughs) Fun. Well, that sounds like a good time. And we'll have those links in the episode. Natalie, thank you so much for being on Bloody Mary. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a dream come true. I always wanted to be on a movie podcast. This is awesome. Yay, I'm glad we can make <laughs> dreams come true. Yeah. That's Bloody Natalie Wickman. <laughs> dreams <laughs> That's- come true, yeah. <laughs> That's Natalie Wickman. I've been Kristen Lighting. Have a great night. Oh,